All right, and we're live as uh, welcome to Woodward Tigers here on the Woodward Sports Network. I'm Hillary Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown and Uper. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartMedia, and Stitchler. And right now, you're probably wondering the the lack of conversation on Twitter tonight. Well, it's the Tristan McKenzie effect, as Riley Green has struck out four times. Is that right, gentlemen? I believe he did go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Is that a Yep. Second Which one of the Tigers' five singles has been your highlight tonight? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? You know, Uber, I did see – I was uh, – so this evening I played softball for a team called Cash Considerations. And special shout-out to the folks over there uh, that run that team, uh, Greg and – Cody and Max, you know, subbing tonight, and they, just, they invited me out for a adult beverage, and so I, I had one and decided, and I realized what time it was, and I'm now flying home to do the podcast. So that's uh, it's my evening, but yeah, we the Tigers had more uh, Tigers had more hits than we did. We got smoked seventeen nothing. Ooh, so ooh. Um, we played against a team that I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, it's a team that was probably should have been in a higher division, co like. A lot of the, both uh, the, the co-ed team definitely did not were, were way better than us. They took a little more seriously. They were run, they're attacking up to twelve nothing. So they're a bunch of assholes. But whatever it is. So you lost anyway. you lost to some girls. Is that what you're saying? Oh, it doesn't matter if I lost to women. These women. There was one girl who smoked the ball the third or right on the third baseman's head. They had some really good t- team. No, my point is the guys. The guys were just taking it a little too seriously. That's all. The guys. Yeah, no, I was yeah. just I was just kidding about the girls. I'm sure there's yeah. yeah, there probably some legit softball players on there. Oh yeah. No, right. So that's the main thing that it's awful about softball is anybody taking it too seriously. Oh, yeah. it's the worst. Yeah, just like just Tristan McKenzie against the Tigers. The Tigers cannot do anything against them. He I watched a little bit of his start in, in between the innings and then you know, the, when I was getting a drink. And, guys, he's, a, he's got a really good curveball. I, I cannot stress enough. And he's, 100, he's 160 pounds soaking wet. And yep. he, he, t- he set a career high against for most strikeouts in a game tonight against the Tigers. And he went over 100 pitches, which surprised me. But then again, it's like, well, part, if you're Terry Francona, why take him out when he's dominated the Tigers every time they face him? It's it's, a, yeah. it's basically a stress free outing for him tonight. Yeah. I mean, five singles, no walks. I mean, it was just breezing on through. Yeah, there's something about it. Almost feels like if, if you're a pitcher with with a plus breaking ball, you're just going to have your way with the Tigers. It doesn't matter. Dylan Cease, yeah. Tristan McKenzie, just do whatever you want to, uh, and it gets awfully frustrating after. We're what game eighty six here of this year, and also the yeah. five years before. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, to... you're right. never under any stress of giving up a three run homer. I mean, how many? You know, you're going to go through there that was... lineup, and you got a couple guys on. There's nobody who's going to take you deep. I mean, it's a fluke if it happens right now. So it's, the they're one... just they're a stress free opponent. They had the one threat there where there were two on with Haas up, I think, at two outs, and he struck out because, uh, you know, it's tough. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah. This is like, I mean, you know, that... I was just going to say, say, you know, we, we were kind of excited about the Riley Green effect, you know, the offense turning around, 
And what uh, instead seems to have happened is that the offense has invaded Riley Green. <laughs> like, uh, you know, has <coughs> taken over Riley Green, and now he can't hit it either. It's either a strikeout or a weak ground ball to second base. Yeah, it's unfortunate, too. And it was going to happen, but it's the Tigers are going to have to take their lumps for a while. It's going to continue to be a process. And it sucks. There's no other word to say it. It's absolutely 100% sucks and someone told me this evening i feel sorry that they have to do a podcast about it well i love talking baseball so it doesn't matter but uh speaking of baseball by the way uh, we're talking baseball that was a bad segue sorry they uh <laughs> we had joe doyle on from prospects live earlier so check out that podcast that's gonna be part of our uh bonus episode it's been a while since we've done a bonus episode but we got some great draft content and so we're gonna talk draft tonight we're gonna talk about the Tigers' lack of scoring on – well, we talk about that every week, so that doesn't not going to change much. But uh, the trade deadline, the all-star break coming at a, a perfect time for Detroit. And, again, we're going to probably rant and rave about Shoni Otani. And this is going to be the official – no, no, I, it can't be because Ben, ben Verland will get mad at us and say, well, I was a show, uh, Otani fan first anyway. But uh, – he, he did it again. He had a great start last night against Houston and just dialed in. But so what I wanted to start the podcast with, in addition to the draft discussion, Chris, you had an article that was posted today by MLB.com that has we here at Woodward Tigers love numbers. We love stats. We love anything about batted ball data, anything that just allows us to talk about the game in a more intelligent way. And Chris, Mike, forgive me for, uh, yeah, he did a fantastic job with the article today. Talk about the sweet spot on the bat and fastest bat speed. Who had the fastest bat speed, Chris? Because it it surprised me for being a rookie. Yeah, so the way they, it was Julio Rodriguez was the the one that they had noted as the fastest. I think it was 96 point something miles per hour. But yeah, it was a great article. He, He goes into depth about how, different parts of the bat are traveling at a different rate of speed, but they want to measure basically the sweet spot, how fast that's going. And, uh, and they, at this point, it's kind of all experimental. They had put these extra cameras only at at Dodger stadium and minute Maid park in Houston. So they have a lot of data on Dodgers hitters and Astros hitters. And then anybody else who's come to visit there. And it looks like the Tigers missed out on both of those parks by about like two weeks. You know, they went to Dodger stadium at the end of May or end of end of April, and we're in Houston, the early part of May, and so they missed out on that. But it's something I've been wanting for a couple of years now, ever since Hawkeye was added, because it feels like they're finally at a point where they can actually measure these types of things, bat speed. And I feel like that's kind of the huge, you know, teams have been doing this for years, right? We, we've seen the blast motion sensors and all that stuff. Uh, and it just felt like we were kind of at a loss or, or out in the dark when it comes to it's just another stat. But um, it's kind of fun to know, like, OK, yeah, this guy has tremendous bat speed. That's why he's uh, successful. Or this guy has great bat speed, but he doesn't make good contact. What's that all about? Uh, so that's just another another layer of stats for us to dig into. And it's pretty fun. But it's not complete yet. It'll be yeah, fun to see Torkelson. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say. In terms of like how he's how fast he's dragging the bat through the zone, because we noticed that he's had problems getting through the middle of the zone, 
all season long. So that would that would be interesting to see him or I would like to see the bad speed of one Grossman, Robbie Grossman, because it just seems like sometimes lately his bat seems slower at the plate, but that's just me. And yeah, I mean that'll definitely be an interesting application when that comes out. And you know, it feels almost like an invasion of privacy for these guys, but it's no different than like a a pitcher who loses a mile an hour off his fastball, right? Like yep. We're gonna be like, oh, you know what, Miguel Cabrera's bat speed is, is down two miles an hour this year from last year. Like, it's you'll you'll be able to pick up on injuries maybe earlier, and you'll be able to see guys who are in decline. Uh, and I don't know. Like I said, it's just another layer of stats for us to pick through and, and have some fun stuff to talk about. And this is the first glimpse of it, and it was a really great article. You're right, and so I, it'd you be, know, people should check it out. It'll be fun to see an aging curve. Yeah, of bat speed. I'm very interested to see that someday. We'll, uh, we'll post an article link here in the chat shortly. One of the, uh, the other part of that, too, the reason why it was funny that Los Angeles was part of it was on Fangraphs, they had an article about how L.A. is hitting the ball, and that's how it's a, they're, it's the same thing similar to what the Giants are doing, right, Chris? Uh, well, so the, the article about the Dodgers on Fangraphs was kind of about um, – they were talking – it was almost like a, a Torkelson as a team. They were talking about how the Dodgers are really bad – when it comes to pitches right down the middle of the plate in the heart of the zone, <laughs> that, that's the article you're talking about, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, and, and a lot of those, as they pointed out in the article, a lot of the times it's it's part of like Fangraphs does, you know, they, they order it by runs, I guess, uh, in the four areas. It's the heart, the shadow area, the chase, and the waist. Um, and all teams are negative in the heart, except for the Yankees, which were like super positive, which was kind of wild. And they said a lot of that is just because that's from taking pitches. You take a pitch down the middle of the zone, it's considered a negative because you should have been driving that, basically. But so the Dodgers were really bad at that, but also extremely good in the shadow zone, in the chase zone. And uh, turns out the Tigers are bad at uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's an understatement there. But in both articles to me, were good reminders of why this data is important to share and why teams are having an advanced approach at the plate. And especially when we saw this week against the Tigers in the Royal series, the Tigers could not get any, like, I felt like the Royals, anytime the Tigers threatened, the Royals were just able to just simply get a slider, blow it away. And the Tigers could not make contact. You're talking about the breaking ball percent hitting the breaking ball. The Tigers could not do it. And even in the game against the Royals where they did win, the Royals, I think, committed two errors in that game, and it was just a, it was a calamity of errors. But Derek Skubal, I wanted to talk about Derek Skubal's performance for a moment because he was hitting 99. Of course, the radar ground in Kansas City said 100, but we know that was kind of fool's money. But Huber, what, I don't know if you caught his start, but I thought Derek Skubal, that was his best start of the year, his best part since earlier in the year. Yeah, it definitely was kind of a bounce back. Um, you know, early on, I wasn't sure uh, where that was going, but you could see those velocity readings were up. Uh, the kid's a good pitcher. There's just no two ways about it. I mean, I'm going to talk about him in the, uh, uh, inside the numbers here in a little bit. Uh, it's to the point now where you want to see what the next level of progression for him is. You know, I, and I don't know what that needs to be, for sure. Um, but he went through that four or five start stretch here where he wasn't as effective. 
And, you know, it just seemed like it was down to location more than anything, which is a common problem for a young pitcher. So it's going to be interesting to see moving forward if he has that back on track. Chris, what you notice about his start? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a real bummer the, the way it went down. I, I was uh, basically in that one inning. And official scorers this year apparently been given the, the the order to not call errors errors unless they're just absolutely egregious. So Scoobal committed an error. I mean, it was his own error, so it's always odd when a pitcher commits an error and then gets doesn't get charged with an earned run. But um, and then there was just a bunch of soft contact. There was one hard double, I think, or one hard hit, and then yeah. tons of soft contact. Jonathan Scope made an error. Um, there was a field double. of choice that didn't work. It was just it was I I don't know if I tweeted it out or I posted it in the in the Discord, but it felt a lot like those old school uh, Metrodome era Minnesota Twins innings, like a, just a Jeremy Bonderman meltdown on the mound with Nick Puto circling the bases four times. And like, uh, it just, it felt like a bizarre, unfortunate inning. And what really sucked is, yeah, like he, he was pitching well. I, I wouldn't say like, he didn't seem to have everything working. I don't think there were a ton of swings and misses. I, I don't remember exactly, but he was pitching well enough. It was basically that one meltdown inning. And other than that, he was fine. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's just a bummer when you see something like that. It did remind me a lot of, of, we talked about this. I think you were saying, you know, the next step, I, I would say the next step is just the consistency, which is something that takes a long time. We didn't get it from Verlander and Scherzer for four plus years where they were able to, to bring that consistency every single start. Um, and part of that, I, I think, is learning how to manage your body and your in-between starts to make sure that you're always, you know, even early, like, let's say Scooble feels great early on in the season, like knowing not to go too far in a, in a, in a outing or not exert himself too much, you know, get some easier outs, things like that, that, that can help you down the line. I think that's something that you just need to learn through practice uh, as it were. So I think that's the next step, but uh, yeah, I, know, I took it as a positive start, even though it was a loss. I agree. You know, it's funny though. You bring up the, the Bonderman meltdown game in the Metrodome. Yeah. I was there. Well, I mean, oh, you really? out, so I don't know. I just remember, there was, there was one famous one, 2006, as they that were blowing the division. It was uh, Bonderman against Santana. And Bonderman, he had retired 22 in a row. I want to say at least that into the eighth inning. He was cruising. And all of a sudden, that Metrodome magic popped up. It was Carlos Guillen threw a ball away to give him an extra base. A ball went through Chris Shelton's legs. A Nick Punto dribbler down the line stays fair. Uh, Bonderman box. I mean, just madness set in, and all. And the whole game, they had Santana on the ropes, but they had like a three nothing lead. They should have been up like seven nothing, but they just couldn't cash in. And that was everybody called that the Bonderman meltdown game. And I had the unfortunate time of being there. <laughs> so here it is. Here it is. It is July thirtieth, two thousand six. There you go. The Tigers were up three nothing uh, heading into the. Bottom of the eighth inning. Yes. Let's look and see the plays that happened. I just remember Bonderman coming off the mound and, and mouthing, I hate this effing place. But he had given up a, like a <laughs> he, he gave up like a bunt single in the first inning. And then he retired 22 in a row after that. He was rolling. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Single to third base on a bunt. Yeah. Luis Castillo, bunt single, strikeout, fly ball, double play. Fly ball, strikeout, ground out. 
ground out, fly ball, swinging, strikeout, ground out, strikeout, line out, fly ball, strikeout, strikeout, line out, ground <laughs> out, ground out, walk, strikeout, fly ball, strikeout. And here is the eighth inning. Single to shortstop on a ground ball. Justin Morneau advances the second on an error from Carlos Guillen. Terrible throw. He should have put it in his pocket. He was running to his left, threw it across his body, and threw it away. It was stupid. Your memory of this game is uh, spectacular. You, um, here you go. Next, <laughs> next okay. is uh, Jason Kubel reaches on an, an error on uh, Shelton. E three is that uh, first baseman Chris Shelton? Yep. Shelton right through his right through his legs. Uh, up next, Mike Redman double to left field. Scoobal scores an unearned run. Probably the and only hard now, hit ball of the inning. So it's now three two after being three nothing. Then single for right right field, single to third base, ground ball. So infield single. There's the balk to tie the game. <laughs> then a ground out to go up four to three. Fly ball intentional walk and then a triple to center field. And it is now six three. Jamie Walker comes in to get the final strikeout of the inning. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joe Nathan comes down comes in and, and closes it out. Yep. So, anyway, so yeah, that that, that, that scribble inning reminded me of that. And uh, and as we can <laughs> remember, it's funny. I don't remember like great. I couldn't tell you exactly what happened in that one inning in the uh, in in Tampa when the Tigers scored like eight runs in the ninth to come back and win. I just know that they did it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you t you tell me a terrible inning, and I probably would remember it pretty well, but not as well as you yeah. do. That'd be impressive. So. <laughs> Anyway, it was a trip down memory lane. Yes, it was. <laughs> you still there? What we got? No, if he's uh, maybe he's in traffic. Um, maybe. Yeah. So I mean, we we, and that was what a, a one and four, a one and three, series against the Royals. It's just yes, it's, it's so incredibly frustrating. You know, everybody was feeling pretty good. It was like, hey, the Tigers are winning. They won six in a row all against the Central. They shaved Ramon Santiago's hair. And then it just was right back to the same garbage. Just yep. not getting hits, not getting hits when they needed, when they you know, when they had people on base, nothing. And then, you know, you get dominated in a game tonight by Chris McKenzie, and it just feels like it just headed right back downhill again. And It's know, just like, amazing that they've gone completely powerless. I mean, you look back a year ago, and I, we expected some regression on a couple guys. I know that, but, you know, you know, Grossman was a 20-homer guy. Scope was a 20-homer guy. Uh, Candelario hit 16. Uh, you know, they had some different little power sources that propelled them once in a while, and that is completely gone this year. Um, that's, the, that's been my takeaway from the last week is there is just never a stressful at-bat uh, for the opposing pitcher too often where they're afraid of a homer. And, you know, that that means a lot. <laughs> so, um, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know what, there's nothing they can do to fix it now, this season. But it's becoming more and more obvious that it's a tall task ahead for next year. Uh, you know, unless Riley Green and uh, Spencer Torkelson take pronounced steps forward in year two, uh, obviously, for Torkelson's fate here, um, they're going to have to make some real power acquisitions. And, of course, nobody could have predicted that Meadows would be a complete zero in the power department. I mean, you know, no one saw that coming. That could change next year, potentially. Yeah. One of the things that I... Oh, go ahead, Rod. Oh, Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, the, the one of the things that I wanted to take away from this week was 
the Royals rookies. And Chris posted a great number and how well they did in the doubleheader. It was like 14 for 24, something in that effect. And same like 2017, 2018 draft picks. Meanwhile, the Tigers don't have crap from those drafts contributing. I mean, they have everybody. We all want to talk about how Spencer Torkelson and Ryan Green and their first their first round draft picks, but that's it. I mean, you it, like Akil Badu was a Rule Five pick, but the Royals are through the farm system. They, I mean, the Royals did the same philosophy with pitching. But they've got a better outtake with their offense. I mean, MJ Melendez should not be playing catcher at all. He was terrible on the plate. <laughs> but my takeaway from this week is the Royals, even with Andrew Benatelli, that was a smart pickup by them. And they're going to be able to trade him at the trade deadline. Now, again, <laughs> well, depends now because, well, we'll get to that in a second, where, where he goes. No AL East team is going to pick him up now. I mean – that we found out about the the list of them. Apparently, he can't fly to Toronto for he's not he didn't get the COVID vaccine, and that's his choice. And he's your own. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> that was a smart pickup by the Royals, and they're able to be able to flip that. And yeah, and Bobby Wood Jr. He was part of that chart, Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. That was part of that article. He's unreal, man. Yeah. It- it just it, it gets so frustrating because basically for this rebuild to uh, to work, Ferguson and Green needed to play at an all-star level or uh, or they eventually need to get to an all-star level or an MVP level for this to work. And even if they do, there's not enough supporting talent to help them. We remember you know, Tigers would have Miguel Cabrera playing at MVP level and then also like four very good above average all-star level players behind them. And that's how you get to, to deep in the playoffs. And, and there's just, there's, it's, it's not there. And then you get, you see things like, you know, Pasquantino, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but you see the approaches there, the powers there. Yeah, I think it's going to come around for him. He's a first baseman. They got him in the 11th round in 2019. Uh, CJ Crone, remember, got him for like 4 million, 5 million. He's producing like 10 times what Spencer Torkelson is this year. It's like you can find first baseman very easily. Uh, and so if you're not going to hit a ton, then it doesn't feel great. And so you see this guy in the 11th round doing it. And then, you know, Riley Green, we, we're all excited about him. He's a 2019 uh, draft pick. Michael Harris of Atlanta, also a 2019 uh, draft pick. Third rounder, I think. He's already got eight home runs. He's playing, making spectacular defensive plays. He's stealing bases. He looks like a future superstar. They got the him. Homer tonight. Yeah. They got him like 65 picks after Riley Green. It's like, it's, you know, we, we've talked about, hey, the Tigers are finding some guys on the mound and they are, we should give them credit for that, but there's still, unless, you know, Kerry Carpenter comes up and turns into, I don't know, some random Reggie Jackson clone. Like they just aren't finding bats anywhere. And it's getting super frustrating. Yeah. And it's also the fact that you've seen this going on with Kansas city, even with like singer racing went out there and, and threw gas and he was doing a really good job, but it's, it's a whole team effort and to see contributions everywhere. It, it, it says something where the tigers can't even get uh, any production out of what they're, what you were talking about earlier, you about the, the chip ins from chip from, um, Grossman, the guys who were contributing last year. It's, you know, it says something that we're jealous of Kansas city and they have a worse record than the tigers. <laughs> 
Like they, whenever the Tigers play them this year, it seems like Kansas City's the better team, and it's like, well, this is kind of frustrating. It just looks like their future. There's more light at the end of their rainbow. You know what I mean? It just, it, you can see it. Um, well, yeah. It just looks like Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be a transcendent star. You know, that kind of guy who just transforms it. Uh, is going to lead you to good things because, I mean, I saw something. He's one of the fastest runners in baseball in feet per second or whatever. Feet, I think he's number one. Uh, yeah, and then uh, number he was like number two in velocity in throwing from shortstop, you know. And uh, uh, he's hit the ball. Like, I think he's his longest hit this year is 450 feet. You know, he's doing all these amazing things. Uh, there's just really potentially not going to be a weakness to his game eventually. Yeah, he's got to clean up the defense a little bit, but uh, even if he moves over to third, I think he's going to be more than good on uh, good enough on offense. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't feel terribly as bad about Bobby Witt because everybody knew he was great. He went second overall in that draft. It was like you know he'd go number one in most drafts, if not for Adley Rushman. Um, it's just a it's just a bummer that uh, you know I don't know it, it, like just finding other guys, finding other guys like Emmanuel Rivera looked solid in this series. I don't know if he is, but it's just like. Yeah, these rookies from out of nowhere are actually producing, and just nobody on the Tigers producing. And then Toledo asked a question in the chat. I don't know if you can see. I put it up there right now. Do you think the issues with hitting resides with what they are teaching? Nobody's hitting at all levels for Detroit. I, I mean, I wouldn't say at all levels. There are guys hitting. You know, Cody Clemens is hitting for plenty of power in AAA. Kerry Carpenter is hitting all year. Winslow Perez is, is hitting well for most of the season. Um, Colt, Colt Keith was hitting. Colt Keith was hitting. There's been plenty of uh, guys doing, and, and most of the West Michigan team is hitting well and getting on base a ton. It's, I, I don't know, like, I've been going through this thing in my head where, and it, it feels too much, like, too touchy-feely for me to actually believe, but, you know, they, they sometimes they talk about how teams take on the persona of, like, their, their superstar. <laughs> it's just like, hey, well, Miguel Cabrera is out there slapping singles all over the place, not hitting for power and, and not walking, and it's like, well... <laughs> That's kind of what the entire team is doing. And I don't know. Like, I would never say, like, hey, they're just taking after Cabrera. But I, I don't know. Like, it, it's weird. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Humorous. Quite humorous, yes. Droll. Very droll, yes. Whimsical. Yes. That is amusing, yes. Quite jocular, yes. yes. Mirthful, yes. Okay, that's enough frivolity. Yeah, well, that's true because... They are taking on the ISO of a point. That's why I thought it was funny because they're taking on the ISO of Cabrera, which is what point six zero, something like that. That's it. Last I checked, it's probably it's got to be lower now. Um, wow. Yeah, he did double. I thought, but no, it's just it's it's uh, Dickerson mentioned on the broadcast tonight. I heard they're like the Tigers are not hitting home runs and they're not hitting doubles. Cleveland isn't hitting home runs, but they're hitting lots of doubles. Tigers aren't doing either. I, I don't. It's <sighs> just, it's the damnedest thing. If you have to speak. Sorry, you there. I should have warned you that it was going to. There was a quiet moment. I was going to put the inside number. That's our new video thing. There's going to be one for like Good, Bad, and Ugly. You like that? Yeah. yeah I had no idea. That, that, uh, I was like, what is going on? Are we, are we being invaded by some sort so, of advertising? No, so what happens? <laughs> so what happens is that um, when I play any video on here, it'll, it'll automatically mute a mic. So. Nice. But anyways, I'll, I'll see what everybody thought about it in the YouTube. Oh, thanks. All right, Walter liked the insert. So now it is, nice it is now time for Inside of Numbers. 
And Youper, go ahead. What is your inside number? Okay, my inside number is four times 20. Which is 80. Well, right, but I wasn't going to oh. give the answer. <laughs> oh. oh, all right. Basically, <laughs> Sorry, the total more it's okay. Your, your math skills are excellent. <laughs> there are three pitchers in Major League Baseball who have uh, registered 20 strikeouts with four different pitches. So strike three was on four different pitches. Can you guys name three? I like this. Um, okay, let's see. Four different wait, pitches. wait, wait. So it's three different pitches with 20 strikeouts? Four, four different, different pitches. pitches with 20 so, strikeouts for each one. Ooh. Shane McClanahan? Yes. Uh, Shoney Otani? No. Mm. Um, Joe Musgrove? No. Mm. Let's see. All right. Mm. Okay. Wait, Garrett, Garrett Cole? Cole? Same time. No. <laughs> Same time. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Jose Barrios? No, he's not having a great year. Oh, that's true. Um, that's interesting. It, it's this tough because you got to think of guys. First, this one's first. One I'll give you is National League. Oh, Jeremy uh, in the chat guessed uh, Alcantara. No. Oh wow. He's not. He's not a huge strikeout guy, is he? I mean, he he is, but like. Um, well, and the was, the yeah. guy I'm looking for, the first one I'm looking for, National League. He's also not a massive strikeout guy, but hmm. I think he's just got a well-rounded repertoire. Is it would it be it wouldn't be somebody like Spencer Strider, would it? No, he's, he's like seven percent faster. Same team, Max Freed, Max Freed, and number three, yeah. I kind of gave it before, close to home. Walter Briggs also, uh, in YouTube chat, guessed uh, Strider too. That was good, yeah. yeah. And what was the next one? Who I'm sorry, American League or National League? Ooh. American League and close to home, close to home. Okay, oh, I'm gonna guess. Dylan Cease? No, closer. Damn it. <laughs> wait, there's only, wait, there, there are three of them or four of them, right? So there's. There, there's three. Oh. Clanahan and Freed. What's that? Derek Scooble? Scooble, yes. All right. They're all low seed. That was too easy. That was, I, I mean, I thought you weren't going to go with, usually you like to let us venture out of our comfort zone. So, but no, and, you know what? Beaver is a good guest too. That was our, uh, in the chat as well. And you know, the one, the cool part, McClanahan and Freed, they're the same four pitches. Um, But they had Scooble was the only one with any difference. They, they didn't have a curveball for him. His was, he's got 21 on his sinker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's a that's a that's a great dig. I think that's really fun to, to know that. I mean, this is a guy with. We talk about his stuff. That's a great illustration of it. That he can get you out with four different pitches. That's pretty spectacular. Yeah. You know. Plus, the other two guys on the list are pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and McMahon has to be the favorite for the Cy Young, I would think. He's got like a one point yep. five ERA. Um, although you know who knows. Um. All right, I can I can move on to mine now. Yeah, go for it. So, so mine is uh, 784 and 105.2. So that uh, 784, that's the, the number of innings Detroit Tigers pitchers have thrown so far this year. Uh, and they've done so to the tune of an, an ERA. I think it was four four 4.05 heading into tonight. It's probably similar to there. It's not stellar. Ranks like 19th, but their, their fifth is like 395, which is more like 13th. So they've been roughly average pitching all year which is, uh, we said a lot of times that the pitching has not been the issue. I mean, it's been pretty impressive. They've maintained average given all their injuries. But uh, that 105.2, I 
It's the number of those innings handled by pitchers taken in the first round of the draft. So, yes! So 13.5%. Uh, wow. Even if you add in the innings from sandwich picks, so guys taken, you know, in, in the competitive balance round or compensation rounds, that's that's Fulmer, Chafin, and Wentz. It's 173 innings or, or 22% of your total innings. Um, and how about the percentage of innings they've received from pitchers taken in the ninth round or later? 46% this year. 46%. Um, oh, so, that's embarrassing. So, you know, and it's one thing, like, okay, you're talking about 39 rounds compared to one round, right? Still, it, it, it makes me wonder, like, why why in the hell is anybody drafting pitching in the first round? I understand that there's some great arms out there, but the, it just, it, I, I've made the comparison before, but it just, it feels like drafting a running back in football. Like, why why are you doing this? No one does this anymore. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, it's it's... I thought of that because of the talk last night about the Tigers being basically locked in on Connor Prelip, the pitcher from Alabama. Because Harris former was wrong. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll find out on yeah. Sunday, right? Wrong. Yeah. I, well, I just wanted to use that drop. I just was fun. Wanted to use it. But... Is 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 Harris the one saying that? Yep. He, he tweeted that he had heard uh, that the Tigers are going to take Prelip. And then uh, he said he's got three different people he heard from that, that suggested that. Now, if I thought the Tigers were savvier uh, than, than I think they are, maybe they're out there spreading that as much as possible in the hopes that somebody else ahead of them will, will go after them, and then maybe a hitter that they want will fall to them. But I, I get a real, a real like late day Joe Dumars GM for the Pistons uh, feel for the Tigers right now. Like it used to be <laughs> like you'd, you'd, that's a good cop, man. You'd know who the, the Pistons were taking like three days before it happened. You're like, yep, sounds like they take Austin Day. Like Austin Day, who the hell is that? And yeah. Three days later, Austin Day. I'm like, all right then. So yeah, like it would not shock <laughs> me one bit now if the Tigers take counter prelim. And, and I don't know, I, I have uh, some severe issues with that, but I uh, will save that for if and when they do it. But yeah, because look, so many innings no from ninth, ninth round and beyond. Yeah, that's yeah, it's just totally wrong. I mean, it, I look, I, I'm gonna just say this there's no pool this year, but I will, I'll find a way if the Tigers pick Connor, Connor, um, Prelip, all five, like, there's gonna be five people in the studio. There's gonna be Scott, <laughs> there's gonna be Trevor, who's in town, Brandon Day, myself, and you. David will be somewhere, our intern Dave. And I think Spencer is going to be our technical director. We're all going to yell and swear. So just heads up. And by the way, that's going to be on the Woodward Woodward Sports main feed at starting at 7 o'clock. So jumping in the pool. Walter, look, if I could jump in the pool this year, I would. And I would do it. You know what I would do, too? If the Tigers pick the pitcher at 12 and we're doing it at Chris's house like we did last year, I would jump, I would jump in a mini pool of Jello. Just because that's how outrageous it sounds right now. Outrageous. But, uh, outrageous. But this year we got studio, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, Sunday's going to be awesome. So more uh, on that in a little bit. Um, and by the way, everybody no. like the graphics, by the way. So I'm glad we're going to use it going forward. Go ahead, Youper. I was just say, you just got to be prepared. When, when they shock you with Kumar Rocker, how insufferable <laughs> I will be. Wrong! It's going to be optimal. Wrong! I keep using that till wear that button out. Yeah, I think the, the answer to Toledo's question a little bit. 
Well, so here's the thing about the, so Toledo said, do you think the gun in Kansas City was juiced? He was hitting triple digits. It doesn't really work like that anymore. It's all Hawkeye tracking. I suppose it could be <laughs> poorly calibrated, but uh, but we looked into it. Like Scoobles' average fastball was up 1.4 miles per hour. Everybody else was was right around average or down a little bit, except for Scott Barlow, who was up 1.8 miles per hour. So if if there was a gun there that was juiced, it was juiced only for the Tiger starter and the Kansas City closer and not for everybody else, which doesn't make any sense. I think it was just 90 degrees, and uh, Scoobles was loose and feeling it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And the humidity down in Kansas City is pretty unbearable, too. Oh, so yeah. – my, I have two inside numbers for this week. Mine is 9.14, and the other is 8.29. And those are the K per nines of two of the hottest teams in baseball in the month of July. The Baltimore Orioles, K per nine of 9.14, and Seattle Mariners at 8.29. They're, but the other part of it, too, is Baltimore, 10 and 2, Seattle, 10 and 1. So their starting pitching has been carrying them. Well, excuse me. Yeah, that was yeah. That's right. Just carry them throughout through. I was trying to just distinguish it as starters. That's my bad. That was as a total. So Baltimore, by the way, their starters is eight point five. Eight or excuse me, eight zero or eight, just eight per K per. I cannot talk tonight. Eight per nine, uh, and their other number for that is seven zero for Seattle five and one with the K per nine seven point three two. The two hottest teams in baseball are just getting it done with impressive offensive feats a little bit, but this just goes to show this is a team Baltimore lost 120 games last year. They're the second team to reel off a nine game or 10 game home uh, winning streak after losing 120 games a season before the second team since 1889, the Louisville Colonels were the last team to do it and Baltimore so everybody that complains about or everybody who's trying about gotta be patient with the rebuild, screw that. Look <laughs> at this. Baltimore looked like we all ragged on Baltimore about left field. We all ragged on how crappy it looked. It, it was just we were ragging on them. We're like, Orioles, what are they doing? We're gonna be ahead of them in the re- and the, uh, the Tigers are gonna be ahead of them in the rebuild. <laughs> no, no, no. And Seattle's getting it together. This is this is what I'm talking about. It, it's it, you can't make excuses anymore. You can't. There, it just it. It's the same guy, Mike Ellis. By the way, was at the helm of the, some of the Houston drafts in the early 2010s. People tend to forget that. I wouldn't mind having a guy like that who essentially built out the Astros farm system for them to win the World Series. Jeremy, I love you, man, but 30 in a row on this team, look, stranger things have happened, but I, I don't see it, but uh, yeah. There's never been, never been anything that strange to happen. There's never been a 30-game winning streak. Yeah, this is not 20, the 35. Not for this team. But it, it, right. Six game, I mean, the six-game winning streak was nice. Ramon Santiago got a fresh haircut. That was great, but hey, it goes on. All right, it's now time for the good and bad and the ugly. How'd you guys like that one, by the way? Yeah, thumbs up. All right. right. So, I, I, tweeting out Kerry Kerry Carpenter home run. 
Oh, nice. That's the second home run in Toledo, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So he's been hitting, hitting off a lot of doubles, but that's only a second home run for Toledo. So it's now time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Chris, what is your good and bad and the ugly this week? So this will be kind of interesting given what we've talked about already. But uh, my good is Corey Seager. Um, you know, the Texas Rangers are a team that I just kind of uh, blank out on. They disappear from the public consciousness, I think, generally, unless they're really, like, good World Series contenders. Uh, so I had noticed that Corey Seager has been awesome for the last month, hitting 302 with nine home runs and more walks and strikeouts over 26 games. Um, and he's doing that while, while grading out above average on defense, which is, you know, that's that's kind of why he got $350 million or whatever it was. So it's been good for a 186 WRC plus and 1.7 more in just one month, which is, of course, about two war more than the entire Tigers offense this year. <laughs> so. Wow. And, and this, this wow. seems seems funny since what, what we talked about by bad is Tarek Skubal. Uh, and if people have been listening for a while, they know my bad is not a permanent thing. It's just something that's been going wrong. And it, it's a huge bummer, but Skubal, uh, and he pitched a lot better on Wednesday, like we were talking about, uh, at least much better than his final numbers suggested. But uh, he's been arguably the worst starter in baseball over the last month. Uh, he's got a he's, he's gone one and five with an ERA of 7.26 over 31 innings. His strikeouts mm-hmm. for nine were under eight. His walk for nine was up to four. The stuff is still there. The FIP was only 472, which is not good, but not nearly as bad as 726. So, so there's been a lot of bad luck. But it's been a really rough stretch. And, and like, you know, it was six weeks ago or whatever, he was second in all of baseball in, in F4 behind only Kevin Gossman. And now he's 13th, which is still, you know, hey, being 13th is fine. It's just like uh, really kind of hoping that he was going to stay on that, that path and going to hit the skids here. But hopefully that, you know, that rough outing the other day was just the start of something better. And, uh, in my ugly, and again, we kind of touched on this, but you know, sometimes I'll just go through and I'll be checking the box scores at night, and I'll see the Guardians playing someone on a look, and, and it's it's Tristan McKenzie, and he's given up four runs or something like that, and I go, that's not possible. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, because he absolutely disembowels the Tigers every time he faces them. And I, I was putting these stats together while the game was going on, and he just kept doing it and kept doing it. And I tweeted out McKenzie Gore, but uh, I then um, – deleted it because people weren't following my own weird train of thought about disemboweling the Tigers. But so six games, 38 and two thirds innings, four earned runs. That's a point a 0.93 ERA and six wow. starts against the Tigers. 19 hits, eight walks, 49 strikeouts. That boy is good. Mm-hmm. Absolute domination of the Tigers and it's ugly. And I don't know. And there must be guys like this for every team. Right. But it sure feels like the Tigers just have certain pitchers. They're just like, you just, just, don't even bother going up to the plate. They're not going to hit them. Yeah, might as well bring a a, a table piece of end of a table. table leg, yeah. yeah, table leg. That's table how, leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do that. Yeah, do it like that when uh, what was it? Rainy against Rainy. Oh, no, no. It was. I'm sorry. It was a Tiger. Nolan Ryan, I think. Was it Norm? Norm Cash. Yeah, Norm Cash against Nolan Ryan. Yeah, it's I, again. And he, when you go, and he, this is a guy who was struggling. The remember he was struggling the minors when they called them up last year. Remember that? And he was first starting against the Tigers. He looked like a G. It's just. Yep. He damn near had a perfect game or no hitter, didn't he, in one of those games? I think so, yeah. But uh, just given those numbers, he had to be close once. Yeah. Yeah, let me see. I'm yeah. All right. Let's this All right. <clears throat> did you get an ugly? Or did you even do ugly yet, right? That was my ugly. Oh, okay. That was it. All right, Uber, go ahead. Okay. So my good. 
my good has a lot of good and bad sprinkled in there. You guys may have seen the video last night. It was a minor league game. It was a high point rockers uh, against Lancaster, I believe. Um, controversial play at the end. Double play ball. If the umpire calls him out, they go to extra innings. If he calls him safe or run scores and the game is over. The umpire, for a minor league umpire, looked really old to me, which tells me that he's probably a sub. Because a lot of those minor league umpires are younger dudes working their way up. So I bet he's like a local college guy. He was in, and I hate ripping on umpires. He was in terrible position. He got, he was, he wasn't out far enough away from the foul line. He had his body turned and he calls him safe. And that's when everything went nuts. Uh, evidently they had a, they had a problem with his umpire crew the night before. So the team is out there. The whole team charges the, the, the mound basically area. And they're cornering both of these umpires, screaming at them. One of them steps on the umpire's shoe. The umpire flips his shoe up in the air, and he throws it. And now more players are charging him because he threw the shoe. And all these players are basically backing the umpires up to their exit out by the outfield fence. I've never seen an out umpires get run off the field like that before. It was really something to see. You, you have to find the video for High Point. Um, there's got to be Matt, Frank Viola, who was a hothead of the highest order, was one of the was the pitching coach. So he was one of the ringleaders of this, which is not shocking. And the umpires are basically looked like they were afraid for their lives because they were, especially the pitcher for High Point, he was ready to get it on with somebody. Okay, so uh, I shouldn't, you know, as an umpire myself, I shouldn't be that amused by this but it was an awful call by a kind of a lazy umpire who set this all in motion so that's where i could find a little bit of humor in this so um if you want to look for that online somewhere that's definitely worth two minutes of your time because uh, you don't see that one very often uh umpires getting chased off the field uh my bad uh they're being called locally i heard the kc10 the 10 royals who aren't going to canada and we can talk about that. You know, there are 10 different players, and they all have their reasons. But my bad was the uh, Whit Merrifield. I don't know if you guys saw the quotes, but basically, without going through the whole quote, he said, the Royals are going nowhere, so I don't feel like putting this in my body. But then he intimated, if I got onto a playoff team and I had to go to Canada, well, maybe I would get that shot. It would be worth my while, you know? And... Wow, if that, to be his teammate, that's really got to say something, you know. And uh, if the quotes are true, I only saw it in one source today. It was a KC radio guy. I haven't seen it elsewhere, uh, but it sounds like Dayton Moore was really upset. Said he was disgusted by the quote. So if, if that's a, a true story, um, I would bet that the Whit, Whit Merrifield time in Kansas City is running low. Uh, if they're going to be able to try to move him at the deadline. And then if he, if he goes to the right team, he might have to get a shot. So that'll be interesting to hear more about that too. Um, my ugly was definitely an ugly. Uh, you probably saw the video earlier this week. Uh, youth game, looked like about a U-12 game. Gunfighter outside the stadium, outside the field in North Carolina. Uh, all the kids are hitting the deck. Ugly situation. Um, but to me, and again, this you know, people are going to go, Second Amendment stuff, it's fine. 
the worst part that's coming out of it is the coaches who were on the field that night were quoted saying that they would like to carry, if they're permitted, they want to carry their weapons for protection on the field. Um, and again, we can go, we don't have to talk about gun rights. I don't care about that. I just know this as an umpire, I'm not working a game where the coaches are strapped, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to argue an obstruction with a guy who doesn't know the rules, but is carrying a nine millimeter. Okay. Not doing it. So, um, hopefully that's just a one-time thing. It was quoted on the today show though. So I thought that was a pretty major outlet to saying these coaches would like to carry weapons. Uh, but I'm not umpiring with weapons on the field. I'll take a pass. I'll, I'll take up fishing. It's bad enough that there are big metal nets there. Um, no, I mean, all it takes is it, everybody's seen, even otherwise reasonable people lose it for some reason during sports. And, and you know, all it takes is, is the wrong yeah. person to snap. And, yeah, I mean, that's doesn't you seem know, ideal. Although there are probably a bunch of people out there carrying that we don't even know about anyway. You're exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm sure I probably umpired numerous times where parents sitting behind home plate have a concealed permit, you know, mm -hmm. and they got a gun right there. I mean, I, I, I'd be, you know, naive to think otherwise. But this, ignorance is bliss. I'd rather not know. And I'd rather not see it. And if I do see it, I'm out. <laughs> maybe there's a maybe there's a in the line of fire style Malkovich out there who's modified his his radar gun stalker to a, an actual <laughs> yes. weapon. Take out the one by one. <laughs> the fan, you know, it's uh, was that the movie? Up. Yeah, it was was it Robert Robert De Niro, right? Yeah, yeah Wesley Snipes. Yeah, no, but it, before we move on, look tonight, I got really mad that some douchebag decided to run from second to tag up up by twelve runs in softball. I get irrational, I get mad. Yeah. Irrationally mad sometimes. So I can't, but I'm never, I would never think to carry a weapon. Anyway, that's just, yeah. Yeah. So the good for me this week, and I want you guys to take a guess on this one, because I would love, this is going to be a, a, a little bit of a trivia on the, on the fly here, because I like it. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you guys three guesses on this pitcher. He is currently in the month of, in the month of July. Posting an ERA of 1.53. He's got a FIP of 2.32. And he's got a K per nine of 6.62. Who am I? So he's striking out six per nine? 6.62 per nine. And in, in only three, keep in mind, this is in July only. And the, and the ERA is what? 1.53. 1.53, right. Six strikeouts per nine. Hmm. Bo Brisky? Wrong! <laughs> um. Hmm. I'd be hey, interested to see that, by the way, Christopher. I would be interested to see that. Cuban national team. Uh. Rich Hill. Wrong! <laughs> All right. You got one more guess. Or, you got, yeah, you got two more guesses between you guys. Or one more guess between you two. Or, sorry, you get a guess, Chris. You get a guess, Uber. I don't know why I could have just said that. And it could be any pitcher anywhere. 
Uh, I'll, I'll help you guys out. It's an Amer- it's an American League East pitcher. There you go. Hmm. Jeremy's kind of caught on to this a little bit, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> well, you've been interested in the Baltimore guys, especially so... Wait, wait, where is it? Yes. There Good job. Yeah, Yeep, I would not have thought of that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because Uper Uper picked up on my uh, my theme of the night. And by the way, the wrong is from a McLaughlin group from SNL. Again, some people in this room are way too young to remember that skit. But the <laughs> but this uh, wrong. I love Dana that. Carvey. Yeah, Dana Carvey as uh, the McLaughlin group guy who you know they ran a show after he was dead. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the, the actual show or the SNL? The actual show. McLaughlin was dead for a while, and they still ran it, I believe, that's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's good entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Spencer Watkins. In the, here, here's the thing about Spencer Watkins. Everybody knows the story. I think you said this last year, or Chris. I can't remember who said that. But he essentially was going to walk away from baseball after pitching in Erie and then goes out. And, and it was a feel-good story, but he's still an effective pitcher for Baltimore. It's amazing. It's impressive. Yep. It's it, honestly like it's to me. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, what else do you say? I mean, that, that goes back to my whole thing about uh, not my whole thing necessarily, but you know, taking pitchers outside of the first round. Like so many of these guys, like the difference between a first rounder and a fifth rounder is like a mile an hour or like, uh, you know, a couple hundred RPMs or whatever. And, and they could just fix that now. You can just. There's ways to engineer that now. I was looking the other day. You remember Drew Smith? I don't know yes. if people remember him because he was drafted by the Tigers, but then he never made the majors with the Tigers. He was traded for uh, Mikey Matuk, I believe. Oh, uh, Drew then, Smith. Drew Smith. I'm sorry yeah, if I didn't. Uh, not uh, yeah. He is. Uh, he's pitching for the the Mets this year. 38 innings, 10 strikeouts per nine, ERA of 3.05. Just yeah, Joe Mantiply. Joe Mantiply, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who, who are former, Victor Heapy around? I was going to say, if the former Tigers are in the All-Star team. Yeah, John Schreiber, it's it's becoming yeah. ridiculous. Um, well, I mean, it, it's not just former Tigers. Like, we've talked before about, like, Jose Cisnero yeah. was kind of out of nowhere, right? Like, yeah. It happens to everybody. The, the, the pitchers, I don't know. It's good. It's cool to see former, you know, guys not give up and get a chance and, and perform well. Yeah. And uh, the other part of my good, by the way, the bonus bonus track has been Christian Santana, who's come back and he had a home run tonight for Lakeland. Shout out to the Reds minor league guy who posted it earlier. It was a shot too, and that was I think that was an opposite field shot too, I believe. Or no, no, maybe it was I don't know. But either way, uh, I want to mention Christian Santana and Roberto Campos, which I'm working on an article for Tiger Miners Report. Tiger Mountain report on Campos too because he's been a very consistent hitter for Lakeland. And there was an article today in the free press about Isaac Pacheco being 19. It's like, hi, I'm Roberto Campos. Listen, I'm six months younger and I'm hitting better than him. And you're not giving me love. Why? Yeah. And no, yeah, Michael, oh, Mike, Mike, Mike Meyer in the YouTube chat makes a really good point. His home run rate 2.2 last year. Now it's 0.9 in 20. 2022 because of that left field fence. They, yeah, they knew what they were genius. doing. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, yeah. 
Meanwhile, that story, I don't remember where it was, but it was a story about a guy back in like the early 80s convinced the White Sox to alter like a foot or like two feet. It wasn't even like moving the fence. It was just like moving the field a little bit. And, and it saved him a ton of runs somehow. It was one of the early crazy things like that. I'd have to find that article. But it was oh, that, I, I, love the, I would love to see that, man. That'd be sweet. I'll see if I can find it. Bad, by the way, is the White Sox and Tony La Russa. And here's why it's bad. Um, here, so this week, Toronto fired Charlie Montoya, and the, they're over 500 in the wild card race. But Toronto's like, no, that's not good enough. We have a better talented team, and you should be doing better. But uh, again, the, the amount of in terms of the clubhouse problem, there's a clubhouse problem has been reported on, and it's still an issue. And with a comment today along the lines, he goes, there's no, there's nothing wrong with the guts on this team. And it's like, that, that comment is fine. It's a rah-rah comment. But when you're making decisions, you are, the, the clubhouse thing, and this was something um, Bob Nightingale, it was a Bob Nightingale report, but I guess he was tipped off by somebody. Um, and in terms of ma- having major connections, they didn't say who was telling it, but there was, I guess it was, it was the Tim Anderson video we saw last week, Chris. Remember that? Where uh, Crystal shared it with us. And how yeah, when he was an all-star game, where he got a nominated all-star game, it's like, they're like, hey. It was a funeral power probably in there. Like, yeah. Nobody clapped or anything like that. And they should... They compared it to the season before and how excited everybody was and just other teams. And yeah, it was just, it was dead in there. Wow. Yeah. And, and they blame, and I guess the leak is coming from, they supposedly Dallas Keigel is the leak. So, um, but either way, it, it, the whole thing and Walter, we'll get to your question in a second. That's a good question. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. And my ugly tonight is kind of has nothing to do with, um, has nothing to do with – well, it has something to do with baseball, but it's more of a – on a more personal note, and I'm trying to see if I can find it um, or share it. I actually can. Hang on. I'll share it right now because I've just found it. So it is something that when you're growing up, there's a place you always go to, whether it's a park or a baseball field or whatever you find that is your sanctuary – this right here is the Saint Seba- this is Saint Sebastian's. It's where I went to grade school at. Today they tore down the field, the baseball diamond. Oh. And it sucks because now the, the church got renamed something else now. And uh, this is gone. And when you get older, things change. I understand that. But I drove I, I don't live too far from here. And I drove home and I I stopped and I was just, I'm not going to lie, kind of uh, hit me in a certain way. And this field was dedicated to Wally Liss, who ran the program, I believe, in the 60s and 70s. And the field was dedicated to him in 1981. And it's gone. The church, the school closed uh, now two years ago. And they had a, like, the parish festival was here, all this cool stuff. And it's gone. And this is the other one. This is, oh, yeah, this is the last, well, that's what's left of it. But this is the other diamond where the dedication sign was. This is where they, the softball team would play sometimes. 
They had a soccer field here too. And we had our recess there. So we would play football, tackle football here. And we just, you know, we just do whatever people do at recess and all that. And they even tore down the damn basketball room. That's what sucks too. So anyway, um, that's, that's a, it's an ugly thing for me. And, uh, you know, change is inedible. I, I get it. And things can't last forever, but it still sucks because I, the, I, there's another field I played a lot more le- little league on, but this was the, I played a year or excuse me, you know, a year here, eighth grade. I, uh, Cause I always played on travel. And the one year I played here was CYO baseball. And, um, I learned a lot from Coach Lemieux, who was the coach here. He taught my brother. He actually, I showed us to Brian Sikowski of Perfect Game. And he also was pretty – it was like, man, that, that sucks. Because Brian spent a lot of time here because he went to arch rival Sacred Heart. So, but, yeah, that is my ugly of the week. And, yeah, it's, it's – I don't know. It sucks. Anyway. Those are tough. Those are tough things, man. They really are. You spent so much of your childhood there. You know, uh I used to play at the VFW uh, Lodge. Uh, they had a big, massive front yard, and all the kids played baseball there every day. And now when I go back to my hometown, it's just a grown-over field. You know, it's, it's it's a sad thing. And we also we had the best baseball field in Upper Michigan in our hometown. Um, we took care of that thing like a jewel. And now you go back up there, and the scoreboard is falling down, and there's a lot of weeds in the infield. They still play on it, but it's a piece of crap. You know, and people just kind of fell out of love with it, which is a shame. So I know what you mean. It's uh, it's never fun. Yeah, for for us, uh, our backyard was the perfect wiffle ball field for four or five years, uh, from like the '80s till we moved. It was just just a perfect diamond fences, perfect distance. It was it was we played hours of wiffle ball every day for summers on end, and then we moved, and yeah. it sucked. And I was like, our, but our wiffle ball field. So we tried to recreate it at our new house, and it just wasn't the same. It was not that we it, it wasn't we couldn't have it. There was no going back, and it's a super giant bummer that still bothers me to this day. To the point where I was like, I need to write a book about that just so I can remember it. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way to go about it because even finding information on Wally List and, and the the program, the Saint Sebastian program was the summer program. It was at Adres. If anybody lives in this area, they're Hydrate appliances, yeah. It's not too far from my house, and that was a big thing. You played on the, the hockey rink they had over here for a while, or or you played District 7 baseball, or the other league that I played in, and it's, all of it's it's not the same. It's, I don't know. And it's, I don't try to get sentimental because it, nostalgia, I always believe nostalgia is a thing you can sell, and, and like right now, everybody like has 90s, 90s, 80s, 90s. It's just a stupid way to remember stuff, and it's never the same. It really isn't. I mean, yeah. anyway, I, let's not bum the room out. Let's keep going. And uh, we have some questions this evening. Did we get we got one. Or do any from the? Um, you know what? I forgot to post for questions this week, so that's my bad. Oh no, we did. We, we did get one in chat. We did get one in chat. We got one on Twitter too. So uh, we got one from Walter here, and says, "What relief pitchers are you good at letting go of? It sucks to have such a solid bullpen for the first time in a while with the results." From these results from yeah I, I have been thinking about that a lot too you know they, they the common complaint for all these years is bullpen's terrible now you got a good one and you want to break it apart but the facts are you know uh bullpens are so weird there's no guarantee they're going to have this next year if they brought back the same group of guys 
And I think you have to do what you think is right and move guys who have some value. And also probably move them quick because my, let's face it, Michael Fulmer looks good and he's probably valuable even on a short deal, but he has an injury track record a mile long. They need to get this month over with and move him. <laughs> it's every time he takes the mound, you know, something could go awry. So um, I think you got to move Fulmer because you're probably not going to give him a three-year deal to bring him back um, or a two-year deal. Maybe you do, but I, I kind of doubt that. I don't see it. Um, and then really you just let the market dictate. I don't know who's more, in, you know, if people are more interested in Jimenez or Lang or Soto or Chafin. Um, my, my gut tells me Chafin and I would, a, a good lefty might bring something that you can use. Not to mention, too, he's under club control for a while. So that should – Gregory Soto would command a big haul back. But uh, what about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I've long felt, and this is in fantasy and in real life, uh, that, that a good bullpen on a bad team is just absolutely useless. It's, uh, it's like having a, a, sail, a sail on a speedboat. Like, hey, all right, that looks good. Uh, doesn't help us at all. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be totally fine with getting rid of. Uh, I think Fulmer's a, a no doubter. Got to get rid of uh, trade him. I would trade Jimenez because I think you can get some value there for. Uh, he's young and he's got another year after this year, so you, you might be able to get something a little bit more from that. And, and I would absolutely trade Chapin because I think he's pitching well enough. He's got an opt out, yep. so he can just opt out after the year anyway. So, yeah. you know, you you got to move him or risk losing him for nothing, basically. Uh, I mean, you'd like for him to come back for six million or whatever, but I'm sure he didn't sign to be on a last place team or uh, you know second to last place team. So yeah, those are the three main guys. I would listen on Soto and Lang, I guess, uh, but those guys are still so young, or at least young enough to have enough team control left that you don't have to worry about them kind of you know costing you any real money. It's like a million or two dollars at the most. Um, and you know, I know Cisneros coming back soon, but I don't think he's going to pitch enough to really be able to any value from him in a trade probably let's see beyond beyond that like yeah invest is kind of in the same boat like i don't know i, I think it's those three that i think you really want to shop uh aggressively and i think like you've you're always going to get uh people asking for a lefty you can get left-handers out and, and chapin does that and gets righties out so that's super valuable i i've thought about this question too and i thought about something that i noticed with the last start from alex fado look it would, would okay. This is a hypothetical, totally a uh, thing in my head that I made up. But let's say that you trade Fulmer, you trade Chafin, and you, you you have the so your closer of the future is Alex Lang, and he's the one closing games out. What you what have you put Alex Fado in the bullpen? I hear, look, I know we Chris, you and I have talked about this idea before the last couple of years when he was coming back. And you, I think you were, we've, we've talked about this too, in the old yeah. MCB Slack channel. I, if he, if we look, we have to look at his numbers. I think the third time around, he starts to get kind of roughed up a little bit. So if he has a good, he's got two good wipeout pitches, put him in the bullpen and see what, see what happens. I know, again, I know people are going to give me crap for that, but. Again, if they're going to make a trade, and let's say they're going to probably get a pitcher back in return that's going to be 
Uh, and they just signed somebody that's in Toledo right now. Um, who made yeah, I'm not sure yeah. what he, that's the guy they picked up from Baltimore. Yep, who, yep. So, again, they the Tigers could get creative and put Fiedo in the bullpen if they trade, if they trade, if they trade Fulmer, if they trade uh, one of these arms, because you could put with Matt Manning right now is pitching rehab in Lakeland right now, so you're gonna still have an issue with where to fit everybody in the first place. So no, I, th- I think that's a great point. I also think that, that uh, you know, there's probably a better than 50% chance that Wilmer Flores and, and Reese Olsen are relievers Definitely. in the big leagues. And, and they can probably be pretty good high leverage relievers. You don't, you never know until they're there. Right. Uh, and obviously you want to keep, keep uh, these guys started as long as possible, but there's a good chance that they won't be. So in, in, as as hard as it is to, to believe for Tigers fans, because twenty years it didn't happen, it, it's easier to build a bullpen, I think, than it used to be. And, and so they might get right. Funkhauser back next year. Yeah, Funkhauser. Um, yeah, and, and, and like him. there are other random guys who might come up and be like we talked about Hill and Brisky. They might be back of the rotation starters. Austin Bergner might randomly be a back of the rotation starter out of nowhere. Brent Herter could be a reliever or uh, probably a reliever, but uh, Brandon White. <laughs> Brendan White could really, yeah. So they have options in the minors that they're, you know, you don't take for granted how good these guys have been this year. But if you can get value and you can get any kind of bats, any bats that are actual bats, you have to do it because they just don't have anybody who can hit. Nobody. And, and, and uh, you know, will teams give up actual bats who can hit for relievers? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem like something that smart clubs would do, but I guess there will be teams who have too many bats, I suppose. Yeah, Seattle. You never know what Seattle's gonna do, and that's somebody goes. Somebody on Twitter was, yeah, somebody on Twitter is like, "Well, everybody has pitching. Nah, you can never have enough pitching." Again, I, I I never understand. Like, if that's one thing about baseball that I will not budge about is you can never have enough pitching. Period. You can never have enough good pitching. You can always yeah. upgrade your pitching. Every the best pitching team in the in, in baseball will probably I don't know who it is right now. Atlanta, Houston, the Dodgers. I guarantee you that they will all add bullpen arms because they always yeah. do. Yeah. As they should. Okay, and so the question I got from Mark, who uh, Mark DM me on Twitter. He, he's always good about the questions. Last week he sent me one, and I totally missed it. That was my fault. But uh, the question for him this week was: In 2021, Badu had a 3.30 OBP and walked 9.8 percent of the time. If he can be anything close to that now that he's been called up, how fun it would be to bat him lead off and slide Green to second. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did. He bat, He was batting leadoff for a good portion last year. I, I do like Riley Green in leadoff. <laughs> right now, he's getting you know a fair share of walks for sure. I don't know. Yeah, ideally, if you, if you have Green and Badu both at their full like force of what they can do, then yeah, I go Badu one and Green two. That would be great. But uh, you know, Badu just hasn't seemed right. He had that hot streak in Toledo. He's, he's trying to find his feet again in the major league level. And, and Green is struggling right now, too. But that would be a super exciting top of the order for sure. Um, and, and one of the things Badu was doing down in Toledo was hitting lefties, which was something that everybody was worried about last year. But now I'm just concerned about him just hitting it all. I just want to see him make some hard contact. Yep. For now, I, I kind of like him batting like ninth or eighth or ninth. And, uh, you know, he can – he could draw a walk down there or get an extra base hit and really cause some havoc when their lineup turns around for somebody like green who, who might be able to drive him in. 
theoretically, if he's, you know, if he's got a swing right, which just hasn't seemed right since spring training, unfortunately. Yeah. And again, the whole loft on the ball, by the way, I'm just going to put this picture in the YouTube chat, the Detroit Tigers live draft show Sunday, 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 starting at seven o'clock over at Woodward sports. So I just want to plug that in real quick. Yeah. And, and look, the thing about Akil Badu it was a positive sign is that he, he got his first hit off a lefty and he's promptly struck. I mean, it's he, going to struggle at the plate, but the, yeah. And, and there is one thing about Badu on the top of the lineup like that. I like how they, they had him ninth and they had green one. So that, I thought that was kind of cool. And maybe that, that that's what it, it is for now. But I think for a while, I think after maybe the all-star game, all-star break, rather, they could try that out and, and I'd be fine with it. And yes, Walter, I am pumped for Saturday because the Futures game is now becoming our own version. <laughs> you know, I remember the Lions fans at the Super Bowl. Well, the Futures game is becoming our thing. The draft weekend is becoming, <laughs> sadly, the, the thing we're looking forward to the most. We're all the yeah. yeah, Tigers World Series right now. We're jazzed up about that because I'm interested to see what Flores does. I think he's pitching for the United States, right? US? It was, it's the American and National now. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I, they don't do it like Worlder anymore, like that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, Flores had a good last appearance too in Erie, and yeah, middle relief is fine by me if he ends up that way. Because again, the ascension. Let's think about it this way: What was he doing right now last year? He was his fourth start in Lakeland. It was probably around his fourth or fifth start in Lakeland, and he's now in in the Baseball America top thirty midseason update. He's number three. He's in the he top one hundred. He's in the top 100. He's in a year and a half. He went from literally a guy that I remember right around, I think it was around August, Chris. I, I, I think we were, we were like, oh, what is this? Numbers Flores is pulling up. Who's this Flores guy? And then we went to go look. Remember how we were, went to go look for a video for him? And all we could mm-hmm. find was his brother? <laughs> yeah, well, I remember going on Instagram and finding some video of him like doing various exercises. And we were looking at minor league splits was active for one year. And so we could go down and look at his spin rate. We're like, huh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. His velocity's up, and he's a big dude. And well, let's let's see what he does. And then, yeah, they kind of you know shocked us by sending him to the AFL, and shocked everybody because he was he didn't perform terribly well there. But everybody was like, look at his arm. You know, touching ninety eight, a couple of different breaking balls that look really nice. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been an awesome development. And hey, what do you know? An undrafted free agent for twenty thousand dollars, a top one hundred prospect. But go ahead, go ahead and spend the number twelve pick on a pitcher. Why not? Um, Wrong. No, I asked. I, I texted or tweeted at uh, JJ Cooper just to ask him if, if you know, how many undrafted free agents from like the domestic market have made a top 100 list, and he didn't tell me, but he did mention Eric Gagne. Uh, so there's there's one. Yeah. I don't. Uh, and, and and to be fair, I don't. Flores is not the traditional undrafted free agent because that was only a five round draft. I'm sure somebody would have taken him in the top 20 rounds, probably hopefully the Tigers at some point, but uh, you never know. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm looking forward to this weekend and the Tigers right now, I think I have a feeling that the rest of the week against Cleveland's not going to be good because the Tigers cannot play, do not play well traditionally in Cleveland. I mean, they're, they're, they're still up for the season series. You never know what's going to happen the next couple of days, but they're running on fumes. Completely anecdotal, but I also feel like they always play poorly heading into the All Star break. Like yes. even back when they were good, like there was a game 
I feel like they lost like a 19 inning game to the Blue Jays once, the final game before the the, the All Star break, and it was or it was like you know it was 2015 or something like that. And they had a horrible loss against the Twins where they blew like a five run lead or something like that. It was just like, oh, come on, guys. But uh, again, anecdotal. On that note, okay, gentlemen, no, tell me this one quick. Pre-draft, I mean, the draft is Sunday. We won't be on again. Mm-hmm. If the Tigers draft blank, I will walk home. I'll be, I'll go home happy that night. Who you got? One guy. I like that. Question. I like that question. Um, if the Tigers draft Jace Young, I'd be happy. Again, and, and Joe Doyle said this on the on the pod earlier. It's it's not a guarantee because of how polished these guys are, how well it's going to work out. But considering the Tigers' recent draft history. And it's just somebody, it, it's a hitter. And look, it, it, it's desperate as this sounds in my voice. It's a, it, it's a guy, and it's his batting stance. I mean, he has that Mickey Telton thing going, but it's more like straight up. And it, the man, it looks like he's bat, like he's doing it like this with his, if, well, nobody obviously listening to the podcast can hear me do this, but if you're watching it on YouTube, it's almost like he's holding like a pull, pull, a pull stick, a pull cue. The way he's got it, it's really fascinating to watch him bat. And I like the power potential. His defensive, he could be a defensive liability wherever you're going to put him. But I'd be happy with him, honestly. I no, I know, Walter. I wish he did. He did not have a, he does not have a big one of two like Mickey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if we're being realistic, um, I'd be happy with, with Gavin Cross. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be there. And, and also Zach Neto. Those are two guys I'd be oh, totally yeah, yeah. happy with oh, yeah. uh, if, if they get. Zach Neto, I'd be, I'd be perfect. I'd be floored. I mean, he's been. I, I have a feeling he's going to go higher than most people are projecting. Yeah. Just, you know, a guy who might might be able to stick a shortstop who's got a long track record of hitting that's going to gonna be a, a high one on any team with a model. Yeah, Cam Collar would be nice, but that's also wishful <laughs> thinking. What about you, you Uber? I was going to say Cam Collier. That was my guy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, oh, my guy is Kumar Rocker, and I will die on the Kumar Rocker Island. However, I don't think they're going to take him. Cam Collier is the guy I would like. I love that he's only 17 years old yet. Uh, I think that extra six, eight months of physical development at that age is huge uh, versus some of the guys like that. Uh, the kid from Pennsylvania, uh, Cole Young, oh, yeah. I believe he's 19 already. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's a huge difference. So if somehow. Call your slips to them. Uh, I think that'll be a real be a, nice night for the Tigers. Yeah, that'd be huge. That, that was a guy. I would, I, he's another one that it felt like maybe two months ago that was a possibility, but now he might even go in like the top five. It seems like because I think a lot of people do like that. You know, he's, he's looks he's going to hit and hit for power and stick a third, and he's not even eighteen for another four months or something like that. Yep. Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of pedigree behind his draft too. I mean, there's a lot. Young comes from his brother plays for the Rangers. You have Crawford, whose dad he looks exactly like his dad. Carl, yeah. uh, he looks spitting image. Justin Crawford looks exactly like Carl Crawford. Then there is the uh, Cross. By the way, his dad played in the minors for the Braves. I didn't know that. I know yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I mean Brooks Lee, his dad uh, is a coach and a hitting coach, and his uncle played. And yeah, Luke Collier was. Uh, Cam Collier's dad. It's yeah. It's it's all over the top fifteen picks or so. It's the, all these guys with tons of, and you know Jackson Holiday. His dad, of course, Matt Holiday. He's got a younger brother 
who people think is going to be even better. <laughs> for a second, the I thought you said thing- for a second, I thought you said Getty Lee for some reason. Getty Lee. <laughs> Rushing. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just wondering, there's always that one guy, sometimes it's a high school kid, who drops. You know, We're expecting him to go in the top six. You know, someone who fades to, to the 10, 12 range, you know, do the Tigers get a gift? The one, the one guy who slides and they grab him. That would be a, kind of a fun scenario, too. And I don't know who that would be. You pick one, you know, but yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of guys in this talent in this talent or there's a lot of guys in this draft that could I mean Tamar Johnson too would be cool. I mean, if he fell, I I wouldn't mind that either. Um but uh again, he I think he would be one of the guys that if, if he fell take him. It, it, it's even like look, as much as everybody likes Brock Porter and he's a local kid and all that, I just the bottom line is Chris mentioned this earlier tonight in the podcast. They can develop pitching now the first time in God knows how long. Let that work out the way it wants to. And like get if there's an arm, like if there's an arm later in the at the 51 pick, like something like, for example, somehow if Dylan Lesko fall, well, I don't think he will, but but somebody like uh like that, or if you're talking about Brandon Barrera, left-handed pitcher out of uh high school. Later in the draft, and he's around, or was it, was it uh, Cooper Chirpy? Chirpy. I mean, th- those guys are. I, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I think you can you can get a good college pitcher. I think, or a talented college pitcher, I should say, probably at that fifty-one pick. But it's probably going to be one of those guys who's got injury questions. Yeah, uh, like Peyton Paulette, Landon Sims. Uh, uh, you know, someone like you know Dylan Smith, the two Tigers got last year. Someone not. Yeah. Age. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. But not at twelve, not at twelve. So we'll Kumar see what Rockers. happens. Wrong. You just wanted me to play, didn't you? You want me to just wrong? Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Anyway, hey, has Gavin Cross struck out nineteen guys in a college World Series game? I, mean, wrong. I, don't, think, I don't think he has. No, he has not. No. <laughs> no. Kate Horton didn't break out 13 in a college world series final. So, uh. <laughs> oh boy. you know what? You know what? I'm going to just, I'm all right. You know what? I'm going to call this right now before I get out of here, before we get out of here, Peyton Pellette screams tiger pitcher university of Arkansas. Yep. So him, I'm going to call him and I'm going to go out of my way to say somebody like Max Martin later on in the draft. Ooh, Maximus Martin. Yeah. Maximus. That, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that was, was Peyton Paulette was getting Walker Bueller comps before he got hurt last year uh, for his yeah. body type and, and his yeah. uh, the rise. That's why I mentioned it because that's we got some Dodger uh, brass in the organization. So, but thank you so much for listening to Woodward Tigers here at WoodwardSports.com. Draft show Sunday will be streaming live. Please join us, and this will be us in a professional studio setting. And uh, I'm. I'm stoked. We're gonna somehow gonna pack everybody in one guest. All the guests will be there, and so come join us seven o'clock till the Tigers draft. So it could be two, three hours. I don't know. We'll see. And again, I, I'm, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the disappointment. I'm not gonna have my drop board, so that's gonna unfortunately. But I'm gonna see if I can get Spencer to have at least this ready, or or. You did it. You crazy son of a bitch. You did it.
hopefully he has one of those ready. So for myself, Chris, and Youper, we'll talk to you next one.